Dr. Jody Van Tyne was born in Washington, D.C. and raised in Arizona. She got her bachelor's degree in microbiology and began work with monoclonal antibodies in industry afterwards. She then earned a Master of Science degree in cellular immunology from San Jose State in 1990 while continuing to work in industry. She decided to attend veterinary school and earned her DVM from the University of California, Davis in 1994. She went into mixed animal practice in Auburn, California for a few years before moving to exclusive small animal practice in 1997 at the Folsom Animal Hospital. In 2004, a cancer journey with her own dog led her to integrated medicine and she began her own holistic education. She was certified by IVIS in acupuncture in 2006. At the same time, she was working as an associate veterinarian at the Integrative Veterinary Center. She went back to Folsom in 2007 and worked there until 2018 when she moved to the Sterling Point Veterinary Clinic. She was certified in veterinary Chinese herbal medicine by CIVT in 2009 and has also earned a graduate diploma in veterinary Chinese herbal medicine as well as one in veterinary acupuncture from CIVT, as well as completing the CIVT advanced certification in veterinary neuroacupuncture. She's also certified in Chinese food therapy by Qi University. She's a highly respected professor at CIVT, working with students in both the veterinary acupuncture and the veterinary Chinese herbal medicine courses. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Jody Van Tyne as we discuss her education, practice experience, holistic journey, and her roles at CIVT. Dr. Van Tyne, thanks for joining me today. Hi, thank you, Neil, for inviting me. I'm happy to talk to you. So uh, where did you grow up? I was born in Washington, D.C., and then we moved to California for a short bit. Uh, but when I was 10, we moved to Arizona, and I lived there and pretty much grew up there in uh, Tempe. When did you uh, decide that veterinary medicine would maybe be a thing for you? So when I lived in California, after we'd moved from Washington, D.C., uh, my mom worked, she was a librarian, and so she would take me to, um, it was a called Ford Country Day School, which was like a private school in a big Tudor mansion up in Los Altos Hills. And she would take me and drop me off there before she went to work. And um, I was there kind of by myself for about an hour before everybody else got there. And it was a big house. And so the principal and the nurse would all sit in the kitchen and have their coffee and I would go in and get a little saucer of milk and take it outside on the patio and feed to the cats. And one day I put the milk saucer down and a little cat came up and sniffed it and then ran a short bit away and turned around and looked back at me. Mm. And then she walked a little way and turned around and looked back at me. So I followed her and she led me down by the swimming pool in the tall grass where she had a litter of kittens. So she actually took me down and showed me her litter of kittens. And I don't know that that was a conscious decision at that point. I don't know that I ever really made a conscious decision that I want to be a vet, but it was just always what I was going to do. Oh, man. What a story. So um, where did you do your undergrad then? I did most of my undergraduate at Arizona State. And got a bachelor's degree in microbiology in 1982, I think it was. So you're even even with a microbiology degree, you were still looking at vet school as a as where you wanted to be. Well, I was planning on going to vet school, but since I grew up in the 70s, I was distracted by many other things, and so uh -huh. my grades weren't really 
what I needed at the time to be able to get into vet school. Yeah. So I went into uh, research instead. What did you do? Um, I first worked at a place that made monoclonal antibodies for pregnancy test kits. It was in, uh, I want to say 85, I think 86. Um, I had moved to California with my then husband and got a job at a place called monoclonal antibodies. And that was when you used mice to make ascites and uh, create the, the monoclonal antibody rich fluid there. And then I got a job. It was actually really, I think, kind of lucky. Somebody um, uh, requested me, recommended me for a job, and it was called DNAX, D-N-A-X. And it was a biotech company in Palo Alto by Stanford that was owned by Shearing Plow. Mm. And it was like this brand new building, and we made monoclonal antibodies. Um, And so I kind of continued that, and we... Actually, it was really cool because it was right after the type 1 and type 2 helper T cells were discovered. Yeah. And so they were just uh, characterizing the cytokines interleukin 2 and interleukin 4 and 5. And that was about the time I came in. And so I was involved in immunology research, cellular immunology, making monoclonal antibodies against cytokines. Um, and we made... In, uh, gamma interferon, uh, interleukin four and five, and that was about the time that they started being able to make human uh, an- monoclonal antibodies against the human cytokines too. So that was kind of cool, and they paid for my master's degree at San Jose State. Oh, wow! So you were, you were you were working and did a graduate program at the same time, right? That must have been uh, really rewarding work, though. You know, it was a really good time in my life. The, you know, the, all of the equipment in the building was was new. The people, uh, I worked for Tim Mossman, who was one of the pioneers of the type 1, type 2 helper T-cell discovery. Um, you know, everything was, was paid for. It was kind of like in the biotech boom. So we had a conference room upstairs and a little cafeteria downstairs. And once a week, we'd go grab lunch and go up and listen to seminars from immunologists and microbiologists and molecular geneticists from all over come and give lectures. Oh, wow. It was, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good time. So how did you manage? What was your day to day like when you were working and, and doing your master's? I, um, I mean, I would go to work and then, uh, leave and, and go to school. You know, they accommodated my school schedule, And then the other thing was what I did for my master's degree was I created monoclonal antibodies against unknown uh, T-cell, helper T-cell markers. Mm -hmm. And so I was actually able to use all the equipment, the mice, all of the centrifuges, the uh, fluorescence activated cell sorter to make the antibodies and label the cells and characterize different cell populations and then stimulate them and analyze their cytokine patterns. That was my master's thesis, and it was all done there, and it was all subsidized. I was lucky. Oh, that's great. So so how did vet school figure in then? So I turned 30, and I remembered that I had wanted to go to vet school, and I was kind of like, okay, well, if I'm going to go to vet school, now's the time. And so I applied 
and did some volunteer work for a veterinarian so I could get current uh, because I hadn't worked in the veterinary field since high school and went and interviewed. And evidently they were looking for people who did research. And even though I tried really hard kind of not to sell myself, um, I got in. I got in the first time, which again, I think was, I don't know, somebody's looking out for me, I think sometimes. So I got in the first time at 30 and didn't look back. Was uh, Davis the only place you applied? Yeah, I wasn't willing. My husband at the time worked um, in technology and in Silicon Valley, and I I wasn't going to move, and I wasn't sure that I could afford out-of-state tuition. So I just applied at Davis. What was it like being, being a little older and having that kind of research and life background? As, as a young vet student? I felt, I felt really different. There was three or four other students that were my age. One of them was actually an art major, was an artist. Mm. Uh, one of them was a lawyer. Um, and it was di- interesting, the different perspective. There were a couple also who, which I didn't know you could do, um, only had the first two years of their undergraduate, and then they could go into vet school and the first two years of vet school would count towards the second two years of their undergraduate degree. Ah, so they were, okay. they were really young. Yeah. And there was a huge, a huge difference. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine <laughs> just being, you know, coping strategies and life strategies and how to get through the stress of school, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm like studying, working really hard and they're like, da, 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 da. And I kind of didn't get it. <laughs> But, you know. How big was your class? What was that? How big was your class? Mm, I think it was 120. That's a good size. Yeah. Pretty even as far as male to female then? No, there were more females than men. Um, And it was actually also kind of cool because it was right before they modernized all of the vet buildings there. So right as I was entering my senior year was about the time that they started really raising the tuition. Um, and then they had like a professional school tuition that was extra. And then they built all of the new buildings that they have now. So we were the last class that went through and did anatomy in the old Herring Hall with um, just all of the old traditional where everybody had gone before when they went into Davis and learned anatomy so I I thought that was really, you know, again, kind of lucky. Yeah, the historical uh, aspect of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you enjoy school? I loved school. I actually, um, I'm kind of, I call myself a, like an academic soccer mom because um, my son doesn't have the drive that I do, but I I just kind of have always chewed up academics and really enjoyed it a lot. Kind of a nerd that way, I guess. Did you have an idea of what sort of practice you wanted to go into after school? Um, I did the companion animal track, which was dogs, cats, and horses. Um, I just, I like horses. I like being around horses. I didn't really know a lot about equine medicine. And so I thought that that would give me options. And I think it probably was attractive for the job that I got right out of vet school at a mixed animal practice. 
did you feel out of place or did you feel at a disadvantage in school not having a lot of equine experience? No. Good. No. Good. So what I sort of practice we, did you join? Um, so I got a position in Auburn, California, which is up in the foothills north of Sacramento. Uh, and it was a mixed animal practice. It was four, four men owned it. And we did emergency medicine. We did uh, exotics and we worked with the local wildlife rescue, gold country wildlife rescue and everything that came in the door we treated. So I learned uh, about deer and hawks and hedgehogs and all of that. I wasn't particularly fond of cows and pigs, but we did emergencies. And so when I was on emergency, I, I had to do those calls too. Um, one of the veterinarians there, uh, Larry Goss, he, he, he was awesome. He would give me the keys to the vet truck. He would give me a bucket with all of the supplies that I needed. He would draw out a little diagram and instructions and said, do this. This is here. I've gotten this ready for you. And this is what you need to do. So I learned a lot that way. I learned that I'd really cows and pigs and me don't really get along. And I also learned that although I really liked being around horses, um, things like floating teeth for me were physically difficult. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just kind of got the feeling that I was going to get hurt. Ah, um, and yeah. so, uh, but I did it. How I often were you on call? Um, I w- saw calls for, uh, three years while I was there. We kind of rotated through, through the emergencies and being on call and, I think one of my most memorable ones was a cow that they sent me out to go see that had gotten stuck in its feeder and had bloated. And so Dr. Goss gave me this big trocar and a bucket and said, so what you do is you just do a little local block and you make an incision and you shove the trocar in through the hole and screw it in and you'll hear a hissing noise when it goes through into the room and then all the gas is released. And I was... Um, I was kind of shocked. It's like, okay. So I went out and did it. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. And, and then, um, a week later, the clients called and they said, well, when do you come out and, and take the trocar out? And it was basically, you don't, it just falls out on its own. Yeah. And yeah. So that was, <laughs> was a little bit crude for me. Um, uh-huh. but you know, it's kind of one of those stories that I always tell. Oh, sure. And a unique smell. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you did you say you were three years there then? Yeah. Until nineteen ninety seven. Then what happened? Um, I was sitting in the office and this letter came to me across the desk and it was a advertisement for a position at a small animal veterinary hospital in Folsom. So I I was kind of reaching a point where, you know, am I gonna become a partner? Um, you know, how am I gonna move up in the practice? You know, where, where am I going to go from here? Because my quote internship period was, was kind of done. And so I decided that where I was at, I knew a little about a lot, but it's better for me to know more about less. And so the practice in Folsom was just dogs and cats. And so I moved there. How many doctors were there? There were three. There were two other doctors besides me. Was it a good experience? Um, I had some personality conflicts, which 
um, you know, I kind of came in and I'm like the young buck and I know everything. And um, so that I carried that kind of with me at the beginning. And then we worked through that and I was there for, uh, let's see, 97 to 2005. And then I left for a little while to go work for Dr. Beebe. And then I came back. Um, the first part was, was good. The first part when I was there, but then when I came back, things had changed and, um, I stayed there probably longer than I should have, but it was well, comfortable. in that time you, uh, you started into holistic medicine. So how, had you had any exposure in school? Um, there was a student who had a TCVM club. Uh, I think there was three of us. But there was no acupuncture, there was no herbal medicine, there was really no integrative or complementary medicine at all. I mean, the, the closest thing was exotics. Uh, there wasn't anybody, I don't think, that Dr. Pasco was doing acupuncture at that time. So I, I don't think so. And what happened was in 1994, uh, I had a golden retriever. And she had a hemangiosarcoma. So we had the splenectomy and I just, I didn't want to treat her with traditional chemotherapy and injections and all the trips in for monitoring and, and all of that. So I found the Integrative Veterinary Center with Dr. Sine Bibi and I took Bailey there and treated her post-operatively with herbs and whole foods and supplements. And the difference to me was really amazing. She dropped all the weight that I had spent years with uh, hydrolyzed diets and allergy shots and all of those things. And she, I mean, she dropped weight. She had her energy back again. It was just the difference was really amazing. I didn't get more time with her, but the improvement in her quality of life, even from before she had cancer, was obvious. And so I launched into incorporating that into my medicine. And you you worked at the practice for a bit. I did. I actually, she asked me to come work for her to learn herbal medicine. And then that was the impetus for me taking the IVIS acupuncture course because her practice is Eastern medicine only. So, I mean, like no, no Western medicine except maybe blood work. Um, and so that was really where I learned herbal medicine, got my start in that. And then I took the IVIS acupuncture course and got certified through IVIS in acupuncture and worked there for, I think it was about a year and a half. And that was an eye-opening experience because there was no Western medicine and I didn't really know a whole lot about herbs other than what Dr. Beebe had taught me. And I would sit in her office with literally walls of shelves of herbal medicine staring at them, asking them to speak to me and tell me what herbal formula that I needed to use. And, and I'd sit the bottles in front of me and try to figure out what the TCM pattern was. And then I'd go, nope, not this one. Nope, not this one. And I would narrow it down to two or three. Um, and that was, you know, that was kind of how I learned herbal medicine. I also had a client who did energy work. And so I would pick out the formulas that I thought would be good. And she would test them against her cat. And so she was kind of, well, she was one of my teachers because I had an idea what I wanted. And so I would kind of use that to see if I was right or at least close. How do you feel the uh, IVIS course got you prepared to, uh, to be in the practice? 
I think the IVIS course was really good because it's a pretty integrative course. It's not only Eastern medicine and it's not strictly uh, like Western acupuncture or medical acupuncture. There's a, a really good component of TCVM and five elements and chi and blood and, you know, and all of those kinds of patterns, but it also incorporated things like the tendinomuscular channels and the sinew channels. Uh, there was a little bit of the neurophysiology of acupuncture, not as much, I think, as there is now, because I went through in, in 2005, 2006, but there was some neuroacupuncture. So I think it was really a pretty well-rounded course. And then the other thing that I liked was it was horses and dogs. So it kind of fit with my companion animal track. Yeah. And gave me the opportunity if I wanted to have my own acupuncture practice and work on horses that I would be able to do that. Where was the course when you took it? San Diego. Oh, close to home. Yep. Relatively. Yeah, yeah, it was, you know, and that was kind of another thing is I had to learn acupuncture and well, hey, guess what? I can travel to Florida to take that course. And I think the course at that time was less expensive or I can spend less on travel and go to San Diego. And so I just, I picked Ivis. It just looked like the best fit for me. Sure. And it was good that you were in a working situation where you could put it right to use. Right. Oh yeah. And have a mentor right on, right next to a mentor. Yeah. Yeah. It was helpful because we went through pulse diagnosis, which is kind of hard to teach online. Um, and she was gone a lot. She traveled and she lectured, but when she was there, she'd practice lectures with me and, um, you know, I could kind of follow her around on some cases and it was a really, it was a good internship kind of, a, a experience too. Yeah. Yeah. So how long were you there? Um, I was only there a year and a half. Um, she needed to change some things. And so I went back to Folsom and, and I went back to Folsom with the contingency of I need to be able to practice herbal medicine. And um, they had wanted acupuncture. They had wanted to offer acupuncture. So acupuncture wasn't really a problem. But the, the maintaining an herbal inventory was was difficult. But they said I could do it. So back I went with my herbal pharmacy and my acupuncture needles. And it was really hard at first. You know, doing Eastern only was one thing. Doing Western only was one thing, but trying to integrate the two in a busy practice with 30-minute office calls back-to-back was a little bit tricky. I would carry a couple of books around with me and come out and read through the books and try to figure out what the TCVM pattern was in the middle of a checkie or, you know, or something like that. But I just tried to apply it to all my cases. And eventually it kind of smoothed out, got, got easier. A lot of work in the beginning, though. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Were the other docs in the practice, uh, did they feed cases to you? Um, No. Uh, Kind of what what ended up happening, you know, years later is most of the words, uh, word of mouth, and most of my integrative and Eastern clients actually came from a local pet food store that sold raw dog food and... Supplements and, and those kinds of things, and people would come in asking for acupuncture and integrative medicine, and they would refer to me. Um, there was one point, actually, a few years later, that I called practices that were local, kind of close in the area, 
and I, I said, you know, I have a 12 year old dog and I just moved from the area, from a different area. And she was getting acupuncture. And I just wondered if you know of anybody who does acupuncture in the area. Most of them said, no, one of them referred to Dr. Beebe. Um, and I mean, and the, these were practices within like a 10 mile radius of me. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And we sent letters out to, um, I don't know, many, like all the practices in the Sacramento area saying, you know, I'm here. I work at Folsom Vet Hospital. I do acupuncture. If you need acupuncture, I'd be happy to, to work with you. I'll send your clients back. Very, I think I got maybe, there was one vet that actually I worked with there when he was a tech and then he became a vet and he referred a few cases to me. But most of it was word of mouth and the local pet food store, yeah. which actually now in the practice that I'm at is the same. Um, yeah. the, the vets that I work with now um, are a little bit more accepting and understanding of what integrative medicine can offer. But when I was at Folsom, that was just not really a thing. Gotcha. Now, during that second stint at Folsom is when you started your journey with CIVT, yes? <laughs> yeah. So I was I was the first student um, and I actually found out about the course through uh, like an IVIS newsletter. And I'm like, oh, well, I have certification in acupuncture. So I think I'll kind of do the same. It was a graduate course. And so it was in 2009, I think, 2010. And it was on a website called College Brain. Mm. And it was uh, Barbara, Joanna, um, and then me. And uh, <laughs> I would sit in surgery in between on my lunch hour and in between cases. And I would just set up my laptop in surgery with my study guide. And I, I was just working on it all the time. If I wasn't working, I was in there working on the course. I'd come home and I'd work on it every night and, and the weekend. And I... I just like busted right through it. Um, poor Joanna and my first case reports. They, <laughs> Looking back on it now, they were um, pretty hard um, and way too complicated. But, um, but yeah, so that was in 2010. And that was the graduate diploma in acupuncture? What, which yep, course was, was that? Okay. It was when the, the course very first started. And then there was another website they used, and now they use the, the Moodle system in the current uh, like CIVT as, as it is now. Yeah. And you, you did the graduate diploma in, in Chinese medicine as well. Yeah. Yes. Chinese, Chinese herbal medicine, I should say. So at that time it was the IVIS certification in acupuncture and then the CIVT graduate diploma in Chinese herbal medicine. You must've been an early cohort of those courses too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And at what point did you start teaching? Um, they asked me to uh, be an instructor or a tutor. I think it was about uh, 2010. It was not too long after I had gotten my graduate diploma from them. And you started in the in the acupuncture course or in the Chinese no, herbal in medicine? The, in the herbal medicine course, and it oh. was just at the beginning when they just started the Moodle system. Mm, okay. So um, um, yeah, and and you were still at Folsom then. Yes, I was still at Folsom. All right. I left Folsom, I want to say four years ago. Let's All see. right. Yeah, 2018, 2019 was, um, and that was kind of, you know, it's interesting that I've never really 
done a lot of active seeking of things, things doors have opened. And uh, I just was really becoming increasingly unhappy at Folsom. Um, and I just kind of started throwing it out to the universe. Am I supposed to be somewhere else? Am I supposed to stay here? Am I supposed to be doing something else? And so I thought, you know, maybe I could do some relief work and, and check out some other practices because I really had only worked at Folsom and I knew that that was a pretty narrow scope of what veterinary medicine and practices could be. So I thought, well, maybe I'll do some relief work and see what else is out there. And I called a colleague who organized relief vets for people. And she said, yeah, why don't you go check out Sterling Point? Um, you know, it's, it's a nice practice. And so I went and I didn't really think it was a job interview. I was just going to go kind of meet them and, you know, say, hi, here I am. And, you know, while I was there, it was, well, in a perfect world, how much would you want to make and what hours would you want? And I was hired. So that was kind of <laughs> surprising. And, and it was, it was really hard because, um, I was able to take my herbs with me and, and do kind of, it's my own herbal medicine almost as a side practice, but out of, out of the veterinary, um, out of the veterinary clinic. But with the way my previous practice had, had practiced veterinary medicine and then this practice, it was almost like going to vet school all over again. My medicine was extremely remedial. And so, I mean, I was on VIN all the time and uh, back in the books all the time and really had to focus the first year on getting caught up and um, like more competent for me, feeling more competent to practice the best veterinary medicine that I could. And it's, it's been really good because we, there was a vet there who actually did the Colorado state course and she was just getting out of, out of that course and just finishing that. So I was kind of the uh, senior acupuncturist. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gave me a perspective on the type of acupuncture that that course uh, taught, which I didn't really know. Yeah. It, and it gave me somebody else who did acupuncture to kind of be my buddy. She also did, um, I believe she got her certification in uh, like pain management. Ah, and, okay. And so she did, we did femoral nerve blocks. Uh, we did all kinds of advanced pain management, uh, med- drugs and, and medications that I had never used before. I had to learn that. And, um, and, and so that was really good. That was nice. And <laughs> was she, did she have an interest in the TC, TCM part of it? You know, not really. That And that was one of the things that was interesting to me is it was a lot more of a, like a medical acupuncture, um, neuroacupuncture training mm-hmm. more than it, integrative, like a uh, holistic, if I can use that word course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she was interested in it, but you know, when I started talking about five elements and chi and, and blood and Shen, that was not stressed in the other course. Sure. And then you also studied some food therapy. Yeah. I did. I did the Chi Institute certification in food therapy. Um, cause it was online. I, I didn't, want to travel to Florida. And so I, I did that. Do you use a lot of food therapy in your practice now? Um, I don't use a lot of 
traditional Chinese medicine food therapy, but I am a really strong proponent of no kibble. And the, the from kind of from when uh, I used whole foods for my own dog to now, um, there is a visible and physical and emotional difference in the animals that, you know, for dogs eat a whole food diet and don't eat kibble. Um, there is a visible and physical and emotional difference in cats that eat meat, uh, whether it's raw or cooked or, you know, even canned foods versus kibble. Um, I, I can now pick them out. Um, I can tell what they eat, almost the type of food they eat by what they look like. And so I do use food therapy, for example, for my cancer patients. Mm-hmm. I will, I don't make them cook, but I will strongly recommend that they don't feed kibble. Um, cats, I try to switch away from kibble. Um, so I, I do, I guess I call it nutritional counseling or sure. diet yeah. counseling because I'm not a board certified nutritionist. Um, but I do try to incorporate food and diet as part of their prescription. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So what what's your role at CIVT now? I am an instructor for the graduate diploma and certification courses in veterinary acupuncture. I have a small hand in a few of the modules for the graduate diploma in Chinese herbal medicine. And then I'm the main tutor for uh, introduction, the introductory course to Chinese herbal medicine and the essentials in veterinary uh, acupuncture and essentials in veterinary Chinese herbal medicine. I think how, that's it. <laughs> that's enough. That's <laughs> enough. So how do you, how do you like uh, teaching acupuncture remotely? You know, I think so with COVID and all it like the zoom meetings, I, I always look at people's backgrounds, like what's in, what's in their background. Um, because when I, I've done the orientation meetings with the students remotely, either through the GoToWebinar or, or Zoom, you know, whatever works, I feel like I'm, I get to know them in their environment. I, I see them either in their living room with their own pet or in a clinic setting where they practice. And I just feel like I've gotten to meet people from all over the world. And it's, it's, I think it's probably the, the coolest part of teaching. I agree. It's I agree. Been a little bit, yep, it's been difficult doing pulse diagnosis, but, uh, you know, I, I've, I've gotten pretty good at being able to pick out if they're showing where an acupuncture point is accurately or not. And some, sometimes I can actually see the points. Um, and so that has been a learning experience for me too. I'm still trying to figure out how I can do pulse diagnosis remotely. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm really, uh, bullish on the, on the remote teaching and, and, uh, you know, certainly it's a, it's different. And I think, uh, in a lot of ways better than my IVIS experience. I love my IVIS course, but just like you say, the one-on-one attention and, you know, doing not, not needing to travel and, you know, the one-on-one instructor time is just really, really nice. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And the neuroacupuncture course um, that CIVT offers too, I I did that. And that, um, I took that because I, on my bucket list, and I don't know that I'll get there, is getting board certified in acupuncture because I accumulate letters after my name. And uh, I... I took that because that's kind of my weak spot. I didn't really do very well in neurology and, and that was really a good course as well for me because it filled in more of that Western side of the acupuncture that was not really emphasized when I took the IVIS course. Yeah. It does flesh it out a bit, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. It was, it was really useful. And well, that's helped me too as a tutor for the, uh, the neurological aspects of acupuncture in the graduate diploma and certification courses. Oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. That's good. Well, Jody, I think this is a good spot to stop. Um, Thanks so much for your time. uh, Thank you for all you do for CIVT and for all the CIVT students. And it was great to get to chat with you today. Thank you, Neil. I appreciate you asking me to do this. All right. Hope to see you soon. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.